Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. The fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Spotlight interview. You are going to love this one. I have an amazing combo for you, a professional who works with parents of late-talking kids who also is a parent of a late-talking kid. So, Oralisa, please introduce yourself and tell us who you are. All right. Um, I'm Oralisa Poole. I am a therapist for moms. Um my thing is I work with moms who love their kids, but don't love motherhood. And one of those things that can make you not love motherhood is when your kid has, you know, like a developmental delay or some sort of diagnosis, because we tend to blame ourselves and put so much pressure on ourselves to fix the problem. And there's just, there's so much that goes into it. So I work with moms who for some reason or another, um, aren't enjoying motherhood. Motherhood is kind of a drain to them. So that's what I do. And we connected in a podcast collab group because you also have a podcast and we're going to get to be talking about that. But the reason I wanted to have you here is because you have a child who was late talking. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah. Okay. So I'm very open about the fact that when my son was born, um, I had a lot of anxiety. So I've always been an anxious person. And I thought I'd figured it out until I had a kid. And then I realized I hadn't figured it out quite yet. Um, so I always, you know, I paid very closely, very close attention to, you know, milestones and what he should be doing at a certain point. And as far as physical milestones, he hit them like early. It was amazing, which put even more pressure on me and caused even more stress because there were other milestones that he wasn't meeting. And I was like, what's going on here? So one of the things that I noticed was he wasn't really babbling as much as, you know, I thought he should be just based on like, you know, what the emails were telling me. Um, and then now that I'm around other infants, I realize, oh yeah, he was not babbling at all. Um, so it started out with him not babbling. And then when it came to, I think like 12 months old, he was supposed to have said like three words by then, but he hadn't. And mm -hmm. I could have said like, oh, he has three sounds, but you know, they weren't really words. Um, yeah. and then somewhere around 15 months, I brought it up to the doctor, um, because, you know, he was supposed to have a few more words by then or something like that. And I realized he still didn't have any, um, and the doctor said, yeah, let's, you know, let's get him evaluated. So I did, you know, get a referral for early intervention. How old was he at this time that you were getting into early intervention? I, he was around 16, 17 months. Okay, so point. under two years old. Yeah. And remember, usually by two, the standard is we like to see kids having 50 or more words and actually starting to combine words by two years old. And if kids aren't doing those things by 15 to 18 months, they don't start to see more and more and more. The doctor will say, well, let me know what happens in a couple months. And in your case, in a couple months, there wasn't much more. So early intervention came in and they did an evaluation and then they started therapy. Was the therapy in your house or did you take your child to a center? What kind of therapy were you offered? So I actually ended up seeking um, private speech therapy because the early intervention, you know, at this point we're like peak pandemic. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Early intervention was doing therapy virtually and it didn't make sense to me. You know, my son like wanted to run around the room, not actually yeah. pay attention. Yeah. Especially um, under two years old. It doesn't yeah. make sense to have yeah. virtual therapy. Right. I can see. So you found a private person who were they able to come to the house or you. So we were, went into the office uh, okay. um, to see them and we did speech therapy once a week for a okay. while. And what kind of things were they doing in the therapy? Were you involved in it? Were you watching? What did you do? What were they doing with him? Yeah, so I wasn't that involved. Um, I was in the room, but I wasn't participating very much, you know, except for when he got upset or something like that, I would, you know, intervene. But for the most part, it was just him and the therapist. And it seemed to me like they were just playing. Um, I know that she did do like some withholding, right? So like in order to open the box, he would have to say open. He never actually said open, but I think <laughs> eventually he got frustrated enough. She opened the box for him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Things like that, you know, like playing with him and like really trying to encourage him. to. Yeah. Talk. And so you had mentioned that you did therapy for a while, but then you stopped. What was it that made you decide to discontinue therapy? Was it the expense or the time or the results? Tell us about what that decision looked like for you. Yeah. So I stopped doing the therapy because really um, I had started to work with him on my own at home. Um, and I think honestly, I started to work with him on my own because I realized, nope, that's not what happened. Um, I had an, ugh, this is going to sound really bad. So tell me if like, I shouldn't. No, I want you to talk about your experience because okay. listen, people are experiencing frustrating situations. And if you're brave enough to share your situation, okay, so I'll tell you what happened. Um, yeah. What actually happened was I met with, so my therapist was out that day. I met with another speech therapist this speech therapist had a completely different approach. When I went in the room with my son, I went and I sat in my little corner like I usually do. And she said, no, come over here. You got to talk to him. You got to play with him. And what she had me doing to me felt very, you know, now I know she had a parent coaching model. I didn't realize that there were different models to speech therapy. And, you know, what I realized she was doing was things that I coach parents to do when I'm doing PCIT with my parents. And after the session, she even sent me an email saying, you know, it's really going to be important for you to like participate and really take action here. And it was just, she was so empowering. Wow. Um, and I actually wished that she could be my speech therapist, but that's not how it worked out. Right. So, yeah. well, we wait a minute. I'm going to interrupt you here for a second and yeah. talk about this because I also believe that your situation with one clinic two therapists, two completely different experiences, not just for you, but for your child. And when you saw that second therapist, it was inspiring to you. You saw how you could like literally in those things, but I don't know how many sessions you had with the other therapist, nothing she did was inspiring to you. Nothing she did thought, yeah, if I take that home and do that a lot of times, you even watching that other therapist felt like you had to come up with your own, whatever you were doing when you were working with your child at home. But then this gal, the second gal showed you how she inspired you 
to equip you with ideas. Yes, and she actually got me on the floor what? and said, this is what you do. And That's as we it. were doing it, I just kept thinking, duh, like, this is what I do, you know? But until yeah. I had that experience, I wasn't thinking about it like that. You know, when people would ask me, what does she do in play therapy? I mean, what does she do in speech therapy? I said, I don't know. They just play. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened then, here's why your child started talking, is you realized that you could be the second therapist. Not someday when you went to speech therapy school or learned about whatever, but today. You could do it today. And you did. You went home. So tell me how you changed how you were, quote unquote, working with your late talker before this second therapist experience. And then what you changed about yeah. how you were working with him after the second one. Okay. So before, you know, we would play. We would always play. But it was a lot different. Um, I wasn't, I noticed that I wasn't speaking much during the play. Um, I was very, what I know now is I was over anticipating. Um, but I think I just wasn't speaking enough, to be honest. And what I started doing was, so with my parents, I work with parents whose kids have behavior challenges. And I coach them in something called pride skills, which is praise, reflect, imitate, describe, and then show enthusiasm. And although technically my son was still a little too young for like textbook PCIT because he didn't have basically any language skills at all, I just started using those pride skills. And there wasn't much reflecting that I could do because right. I wasn't saying anything, yeah. but all the other stuff I could do, the behavior descriptions I could do. So, you know, when he picked up the red block, you picked up the red block. Now you're putting the red block on top of the blue block, you know, and then wow, what a really great idea to put the green block on top of all of those. And we went from like largely silent play to me just doing what I was had been telling people to do all along <laughs> and using those skills. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm talking nonstop during our play and he's excited and I'm imitating him. And, you know, it's funny because before earlier when we were chatting, you said something about like putting parents into that zone of connection. And that zone of connection is really when they're able to facilitate that language development with their kids. And I didn't realize it, but that's what I was doing. Because again, what was I, those pride skills, that's what we're, that's what we use during child-directed interaction when I'm working with parents. Right. And the goal of child-directed interaction is connecting with the child, meeting them in their world. And that's what I started doing with my kid. Um, you know, and it. I felt beforehand that he wasn't old enough, right? Like he didn't have the language skills, but I just did it anyways. Yeah. And you know what I love about this? Because the reason you felt like you could do it anyway is because when you watch that therapist, she didn't um, she didn't have any idea about your child's spoken language ability. Yet she talked to him as if he was going to Harvard. She used full sentences. She told stories and she gave details. She didn't even just say, put the green block on the red block, now put the blue block, now put the yellow block. She talked about it was a good idea and why it was a good idea. And the thing is, what you were able to do with your child when you connected in the language facilitation zone is you could read 
through facial expressions, through body language, through all those other ways that he could communicate, even though he wasn't using spoken language, all those things that maybe an older client would be saying, I don't like that. Ooh, that's nice. Who do this again? Or that doesn't sound right to me. Like your late talker was giving you every one of those messages. And because yeah, you were yeah. perceptive and open to holding space for him to show you his pride and his opinion and his praise and his gratitude and all of those other things he brings to the table every day that other people who the first therapist who's holding back the box and she's, she thinks it's all about what's in the box and you can only have what's in the box if you open the box and you can only open the box if you tell me open, you know, that kind of thing. She's missing the boat, right? She, if your child's not interested in what's in the box, then get rid of the box. And if your child's interested in what's in the box, open that thing up and show him what's in there <laughs> right, and right. talk about it and share it and explain it. And that's what you did. You opened up yeah. his world. Now, there was another strategy that you told me about that you used that I want you to clarify because it involves technology. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of parents on my platform who have kids who are late talking because during the pandemic, they were having more exposure to 2D experiences, TVs and devices than they were people because parents were working at home and their kids were, you know, fed and well cared for and safe and clean. But there wasn't a whole lot of extra teaching going on that was mm -hmm. happening with these 2D experiences. And part mm -hmm. of the reason that their kids are late talking is because they started to prefer those 2D experiences to their parent time because of a lot of different reasons. And so mm -hmm. I want you to talk about how you chose to use tech. Once you decided you were going to be the kind of therapist, mom, language facilitator that gets in the zone and connects with your child, how did you use tech with him? Yeah. So I actually, um, we started out with no screen time, but you know, in the car when he was really fussy, I'd like give him my phone. Eventually, you know, we graduated to an iPad cause I didn't want to lose my phone when I was yeah. on the trip and you know, I'd use it for the GPS. Um, and he did find some videos that he would watch over and over again. So what I started, you know, one day I like, I'm not sure how, like I sat down with him and I watched the videos and I noticed that, well, first I noticed that, you know, when they were like singing, he would sing along with them. So I said, we're going to do more of this because I'm noticing that he's singing. So we would sit together and like watch these videos where the kids were just singing and we would sing together. And I like, as I'm talking, I remember telling people he sang before he talked. Um, and when I heard him singing, I kind of like latched onto that. But also what we would do was I found videos that weren't like big channels, but they were just kids talking to the camera and we would watch those together. And I loved it because it was kids, right? And it's not like they wouldn't talk to each other when they were on camera. They would talk into the camera, even when they're talking to the other person in the room. And I mm -hmm. thought, this is genius. Yes. Because he's enjoying it. He's sitting here watching it. He's sitting engaged. But he's also seeing like the face and how the mouth moves. And I'm not a speech therapist, so I don't like know right. the technical and stuff, right? Like kids talk. Kids yeah. want to talk like kids talk. They don't want to talk. Yes, and this is how we do whatever. They want to say, hey, guys, 
watch me. I'm going to put this hat on. And your, your child's watching the child's mouth. I mean, there are people that make apps to do this. But what I loved about how you talked about the experiences was you chose. See, you're the one that had to Google to find these faces. But what you realized was your son was learning. He was watching these videos. He was singing along and it was coming out of him. He was learning these things and he was choosing. You didn't say sing along with the video. He said, I want to sing with the video. And then you started singing with him. And this happens with a lot of kids. And it's because of neuroplasticity. You see, music helps build neuroplasticity in language structures that are delayed because they connect. They're parallel. And when kids remember language already has music and rhythm in it as components and kids learn the music and rhythm of the song before they learn the language and it helps them build neural pathways. So even if your child is late talking because they've been on tech, this is a great strategy to help bridge them out of their tech addiction in the same old thing into actual visual experiences that you do together with them because you sat with him. You mm -hmm. watched with him. And when the kids were talking, you would talk too. And so he could hear your version. Yeah. I mean, you know, the mom what version. was happening. And right. you know, then eventually he started turning to me and said, Oh, there's a there wasn't actually a monster, but you know, he would turn to me and say, like, right. Oh, yes, the ball. And because memory, the ball. If it's just you and him, you don't have a preschool, you don't have a bunch of other kids, peers for him to watch to learn from because you're in lockdown your home together with him or even if you are do have those opportunities let's say you have a late talker who's a little bit older and they are fearful of joining these community experiences because of their late talking their behavior their language all that stuff you can help them feel more comfortable watching and learning from other kids by giving them experiences like this with technology. Mm -hmm. So create your classroom of your buddy. I talk about using puppets and babies and, you know, all different kinds of dolls and things like that. This is probably similar to what you do in your play therapy recommendations for what you do for work, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, where all the characters get to represent who they are. You know, you're the boss and the baby and, you know, every, you learn about the roles people have and how they're empowered in them. Let's talk a little bit about the resources you have because one of the messages that we have here is that all behavior is communication. Even if you scratch your head, it means something's going on that's causing an itch and maybe I need to pay attention to it. So when we pay attention to every single communication, especially the ones that are big, the ones that we don't like to see, the ones that we would rather extinguish than dig in and learn. These are the parents that are finding you, I think, on your platform, aren't they? Yeah, parents who have definitely behaviors that they do want to get rid of. Yeah, they want to see it gone. And what we talk about here is how all those behaviors are communication. So can you talk about how, you know, give us some tips that a mom can do if you've got a child who regularly uses one of these, um, I would say, triggering kinds of communications, because it could be anything, but what it does, there's reasons behind it and it's because it's triggering. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I would say my biggest thing to start would be, you know, just as you have said, 
focusing on connecting with your child. Um, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes if you can, but I would say like 10 minutes minimum. Just play with them and let them lead the play. Don't make any suggestions. Don't ask them any questions. You know, we like to turn play into like teaching opportunities. So what letter is this? What color is that? None of that. Just play and let them take the lead. And as they are playing, describe what they're doing. Let them be the star of the show. Let them know how important they are to you because you are paying attention to every single little thing that they are doing. And you are letting them know that you see every little thing that they are doing and everything that they do reflect it back. So, you know, we like to think of reflection as like if they say something, you kind of like repeat, but you can reflect their body language, just like you said earlier, right? You can reflect if they're getting frustrated. You can reflect if they're so happy, so excited. You can teach them about emotions in that way. But just spend that time um, connecting with them, letting them lead, imitating what they're doing so that they know, you know, they have they can build that confidence in themselves, right? Because you are doing what they are doing. Um, and then also praising, like praising, I'm having such a great time playing with you right now. That was a really great idea to do this and this and this. Wow, you're doing that so well. You know, just do that with them. So it's Yeah, that's when you share your perspective. See, this is again, what we talk about reflecting. We talk about this a lot because these kids are learning from your models. So if you are telling them, sharing, you're sharing your own opinion, that opens the door for them to share their opinion. If you're describing what you're doing, oh, I have to be careful and only pour a little bit because if I pour too much, it's going to, you know, whatever, blow up or taste bad or, you know, whatever. And you're thinking about the why and the how and all of your thought processes when you share what's on your mind with the world, then your child will pick up the habit of doing that too. And you won't, you'll be so amazed. I can't imagine some of the crazy stuff that started popping out. That's usually what happens when parents make a shift and they start sharing their own perspective and little things and just talk freely with their kids. Can you remember any of the little phrases that your son started popping out with after he moved out of the singing phase into starting talking to you? Do you remember any of that? Well, now the kid won't stop talking. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's very emotionally expressive. So he'll say, I'm mad. I'm so sad. I'm so excited. You know, earlier today, he asked me for a piece of cheese. And I said, okay, we'll get your cheese when we go downstairs. And he said, I'm so excited to eat my cheese. And, you know, it's just, oh, gosh, it's so heartwarming. But it is. You know, and now, how you know you're connected because your son appreciates that you care that he's excited. And so he's like, I'm excited. Aren't you excited for me that you're going to let me eat my cheese? I mean, this is connection fuel. This is what blows up and creates the, uh, the bonfire of connection, the connection your child never wants to get done. And so he's freely sharing how he feels from something as easy as eating food, you know? And when he's upset, he's sharing that he's upset. Is he sharing why he's upset? So you have to ask him why right now uh -huh. he just says, I'm so sad. Yeah. And then if you say, what's going on, buddy? Why are you so sad? You know, then he'll say, oh, you won't, it's time for bed and I don't want to sleep or, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, it takes a little bit of probing, but he will freely say, I'm so sad. 
Yeah. Well, and I imagine when you start to share those things for yourself, as he learns to talk, you see, it's these skills that build on top of the skills that build on top of the skills. Once you get the intelligence of the language, you can add the emotional intelligence on top of it. And then you've got to add the intellectual and social intelligence to control that emotional intelligence, right? Do you go off the rails or do you go whatever? And so the process never ends of building this connection. And it does tend to go through levels. That's why I have in the workbook, we talk about the levels that kids go through up and down based on environmental things, physical things, mindset things, you kind of never know what can come in to throw a wrench in the works. And that's probably how people end up finding you, isn't it, or Lisa, when there's something's going on. Um, it could be something big that's triggering. It's sort of, it might be the one last bit that makes the whole house cascade. You know, somebody loses a job or there's some trauma in the family or something like that. And these things, Things can carry from parents down to kids and and all of that. Do you see some of that in your practice? You know, I see a lot of that. And sometimes it also is just as simple as like, you know, the kid has big emotions and he doesn't know what to do with them. He doesn't know how to express them. We know that late talkers and tantrums kind of go hand in hand, right? Because they don't know how to express what they want. Um, so I see a lot of that too. And that's why like you keep saying that connection piece is so important because until you connect, you're not able to look beyond the behaviors and figure out what is this behavior telling me? Um, so yeah. Now on your podcast, you help parents who feel like they're maybe not equipped for it. I'm too exhausted. I don't know what to do. I can't handle it, right? Tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you talk about these problems. Yeah. So my podcast is basically, you know, where I try to, you know, I bring other experts on, but then I also provide information myself. And it's basically just tools to make things a little bit easier. And what I'm finding is that it's really just let go of the expectations. Don't put so much pressure on yourself and do what feels good to you. You are the parent, you know, you know, so even being on this podcast today, the reason we connected is because I told you, oh, I took my kid out of speech therapy. And that sounds insane, right? Like, I'm not a speech therapist. Why would I take my child out of speech therapy? Because as a mom, that's what felt right to me. It felt right to me to have that extra time with him to work on my own, which, you know, turned out luckily to be, you know, the right decision. But I basically work with moms on what is going to work for you? What are your values? Don't tell me what society thinks you should be doing. What do you think you should be doing? Um, and then taking that same understanding and gentleness and compassion that I teach them to have with themselves and now have that with your kid. Yeah. And, you know, when other people tell you you're in denial or you're crazy or you're a bad mom because of all those things happen, that's what tends to throw people off. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why I'm glad you're out there with your podcast. Tell us exactly the name of your podcast and how everybody can find it. Yeah. So it's the Managing Motherhood podcast. And it's basically everywhere you find your podcast. So Apple, Google, Spotify, um, if you just type it into Google, you'll find it. Um, and my website is psychotherapyformoms.com. And I have a little link to the podcast there as well. 
That's great. And they can learn more about you and how you work and the kind of um, therapy services that you offer, because I think that, you know, there are parents who are in, like I said, if there's a big issue in your life that you feel like you really need to talk to a therapist about, working with someone like Orlisa, who has literally had the experience of being in your shoes, having a child who's late talking, being judged by whoever she was judged by, going through, having the bravery to, you know, strength to dig in, try what you know and see if it works because you don't know if it's going to work until you do it. And then when you find out it works, keep elevating, keep iterating, keep trying, keep changing. And I think podcasts like you and I have where we both share strategies ourselves and connect with other professionals who do that show parents that there is a whole community of people out there who you can use as resources to equip and empower because ultimately it's up to you to equip and empower yourself, but we are your resources. So if you have a therapist, like maybe you are lucky enough to get Orlisa's Bart B therapist, her second exposure of therapist. If you've got somebody wonderful like that in your environment, use them as a resource. You're gonna work with somebody yourself like Orlisa, dig in and use them as a resource to help you build your own plan so that you're confident because ultimately we don't feel better unless we know we generated those results ourselves, don't we? Yeah, there's a big difference. Yeah, because as soon as you rely on someone else to do it for you, then it's when those expectations creep in. Oh, they're not doing whatever, I could do it better. Well, if you think you could do it better, then it's time to yeah, make your yeah. plan and get to work. And well, so that's a part of it that also kind of feels like, when is this going to be over? And there's a frustration in knowing that someone's helping your kid and you don't know how to help them. Yeah. And I think also you feel it even in yourself. You know, maybe you had two or three weeks in. How long would you say you've been on your language facilitation journey with your son? Oh, it's been... Over a year now, maybe like a year and a half. Okay. And you started with pretty much a nonverbal child. He yeah. had a few words. Not, in a year and a half, speaking. he's a chatterbox. He's oh, yeah. telling you yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. And so probably about month three, you might have been seeing some increased attention and focus and listening and him staying around longer and wanting to play longer, but the words probably weren't coming yet. And that can be a really tough time to decide, oh, maybe we should go back to speech therapy. That's when those expectations of it should be happening faster, mm -hmm. that's when they can get you in trouble. Yeah, definitely. Because it took a while. Um and, you know, you're per describing it perfectly, which is amazing. Um, but that's what happened. Like he started sticking around longer and he started becoming more engaged, but he still wasn't talking. And then one day it's like something clicked and he just, you know, yeah. took off running. The good thing is that connection feels so good to a mom when you're in it and you know, that's why it makes it easier to wait because you're not thinking about someday he'll talk. You're thinking about, he's looking, I'm getting eye contact like never before. I'm, he's sticking around. We played for a whole hour with the train set. I mean, that's the kind of thing that starts to happen because in this program, in order to see change, 
you had to do at least two to three hours every day. I know you were only thinking about it in 20 minute increments, but you saw the value in that connection and you brought it to everything you did. And that's why your son is a chatterbox now. So congratulations on your language facilitation journey. I love that you are in the position you are because I know you'll share these strategies with other moms who work with you as clients who are late talkers. And I know that on your mindset, your, your video, I know that on your podcast, I'm um, joining and sharing information about late talking as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. It was amazing having you on. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. With a whole range of waves of communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.